If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Essentially, is to deliver on our core mandate as Achimotans. When we leave Achimoto School at the end of five years, two years, um, I guess these days three years or two and a half or four, we are enjoined to go out as living waters to a thirsty land. Essentially, to say, given all the values that have been inculcated in you, your head, your heart, and your hand. Now go out into the world, first stop Ghana, and of course the rest of the world, and go and be a difference, not just by way of what you've been taught in the classroom, but by adding value to society, by adding value to your nation. That's why Achimoto Speaks came about, and that's why it's so important. Achimoto Speaks is a platform that allows all of us as Ghanaians to have conversations about, around the things that mean the most to us as people. So yes, it, it is an initiative of the OAE and Achimota, but it's a platform where all Ghanaians are invited to have discourse. Um, at the 90th anniversary, we did it monthly, various topics, land reform, education, uh, finances, uh, independence as a country, all of those things. And since then, it's been twice a year. And that's how it's going to continue. So, so this year, at the beginning of the year in March, we had a session uh, on education. And at the time, the conversation was around what is the most topical issue for all of us as Ghanaians. It was education. It was our economy. It was health. And a few other things. I'm sure we could, the list can go on and on and on. So we took a decision and said, because we are an educational institution, we're always going to dedicate one Achimoto Speaks to making sure we can lift up the education game in Ghana. And the second one will be about whatever else is most pressing. And I'm sure you all agree with me that our economy is very dear to all of us at this point in time in our lives. The other thing I've been asked is why this topic? Is Ghana in crisis? I've said yes ad infinitum, but I guess it depends on where you sit to recognize whether we are in crisis or how much of a crisis we are in. I'll leave our keynote speaker and our, mod our panelists to walk us through that. But the one thing, one plea I have is for all of us, whether we are here in this room or outside listening in, to please come to these conversations with an open, objective mind, with a focus on Ghana, not on Christians, not on Muslims, 
not on NDC, not on MPP, not on new parties coming up. Just what is the best thing or the, what are the best things that we need to do as a people to move this country forward? What are the mistakes we've made in the past? What are the things that we are doing now? What do we need to do to change? What do we need to keep? What are the things that we need to copy from elsewhere in the world to make sure that our economy is self-sustaining and our economy is strong enough to take care of not just this generation, but generations to come? So that's why the topic today is critical. And I thank you all once again on behalf of the OAA and on the planning committee for making time to join us. And now it is my singular honor to introduce our chairperson for today. Our chairperson is an Accra, but that's not why he's chair. He's chair because he's a celebrated and well-achieved Ghanaian by every standard. Truth is, even his abridged profile could take several minutes to read. And today we want to spend more time on the conversations than on bios. So we've cut it short, short drastically. So suffice it to say today, therefore, that Accra Nana Susubibi Krobi Asante, Paramount Chief of Asante Asokore, known in private life as Dr. S.K.B. Asante, is a distinguished lawyer with several degrees, including a Doctor of Judicial Science from Yale University. He is a former Solicitor General and Deputy Attorney General of Ghana and served as an attorney with the World Bank, Washington, D.C., among several other high-profile roles. Nana was the chairman of the Committee of Experts that formulated proposals for the 1992 Constitution of Ghana. That's actually another subject for another Achimoto's piece, but we'll, we'll, come, we'll come to that. He is a member of the Judicial Council of Ghana as the representative of the National House of Chiefs, of which he is a member and also a member of the National Peace Council. Nana was the chairman, incidentally, of the very first Achimoto Speak session held in 2027, 2017. Excuse me. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome our chairman for today, Accra Nana Susubibi Krobi Asante. Thank you. My visible. Accra president of the OA, Joel. Rakosiok Okon, chairman of the Jamura Space Committee. All Akuras, ancient and modern, and distinguished ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> I would like to thank the organizers of this forum for inviting me. And I would also like to thank our president for his kind words about me. 
I did not accept this invitation <coughs> because of my pretensions towards uh, being an economist. I am not an economist, but over the years I have been confronted with development issues <coughs> as uh, not, not only in my educational career, but in my international, national, and local public service. It all began some 71 years ago at Achimota, when our headmaster, P.J. Rendell, challenged me to respond to an article by an English lady called Elspeth Huxley who debunked the whole idea of independence for Africans and proclaimed that Africans could never operate a viable democracy. Now, P.G. Rendell, a committed liberal, deeply uh, <clears throat> imbued with the values of Ajimota, thought this was unacceptable. So I did write a response published in the Daily Telegraph in August 1952, my first international publication, in which I predicted what um, Barack Obama would say. Yes, we can. Um, <clears throat> then, over the years, uh, I coupled this diagnosis with my own. Can Africans actually <clears throat> achieve an economic takeoff? This was because, as was announced by the president, I have been in international service. I met um, Koreans, Singaporeans, Malaysians in my international service. In fact, I went to South Korea, Seoul, in 1968, on a mission from the World Bank to, together with the other officials, international officials, to establish the Korea Development Finance Corporation, which played a critical role in the industrialization of Korea. Then again, in 1980, when the Chinese <clears throat> I'm already exceeding the time. Sorry. Okay. Accra, I didn't quite hear what you said. You said? Oh. Okay. All right. In 1980, in 1981, I went to. Uh, China, and a mission from the United Nations Center uh, when the Chinese adopted their open-door policy uh, to admit foreign investment for the first time. The Chinese wanted to know about <clears throat> how to deal with foreign investment and how to negotiate transactions with transnational corporations. All these um, international missions made me wonder whether Elspeth Huxley was right, because we, apart from the heady days of independence, when Nkrumah led us to independence and uh, spearheaded the liberation of Africa, 
we had a downturn in which we saw stagnation, economic stagnation, and political instability. So with that background, I thought this question, uh, today's session will be intriguing. Uh, I'm delighted that we have assembled a number of brilliant people who will actually point the way forward. Ladies and gentlemen, today is not a day of lamentation or of condemnation. It is a day of redemption. In other words, we are going to prescribe what will achieve economic salvation for Ghana and for Africa for that matter. And we are not here to condemn any particular party or any entity. And I'm delighted that we have these brilliant young men. I gather that our main speaker and the title professor when he was at Achimota School because he often beats the math teacher in solving problems. <laughs> and I hope that we will enjoy the contributions that they will provide for solving our problems today. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Now, it's time to introduce our keynote speaker. Our keynote speaker is a professor of economics at New York University, NYU, and the director of NYU Africa House and the Center for Technology and Economic Development, as well as co-director of the Development Research Institute, DRI. As co-director of DRI, he was awarded the 2009 BBVA Frontiers in Knowledge Award on Economic Development Cooperation. He is a fellow of the Economic, Econometric Society, a research associate of the National Bureau of Economic Research and BER, and a non-resident fellow at the Center for Global Development. His research interests focus on the areas of economic development, theoretical economics, models of human capital as engines of economic growth, brain drain and skills acquisition, labor economics, and migration. He is a chair of the Econometric Society Africa Regional Standing Committee. He has served as a consultant to organizations including the African Development Bank, the World Bank, the United Nations, and the Social Science Research Council. He received his BA from the University of Ghana and an MA and PhD in economics from Cornell University. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome with me our keynote speaker, Akura Professor Yao Nyako.
It's really great to be here. I'd like to thank the organizers, of course, for inviting me. It's uh, a really great honor uh, to be here. Uh, I, I don't know if Ernest is here. He's the one who called me up, Ernest Ayite. Yao uh, Amponsa, Yunus, uh, thank you for all the back and, back and forths. And we have a very distinguished panel. I know we're going to be uh, having a great conversation. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Today, so I thank you all for that. I remember very, very fondly my days at Achimota. I was in Livingston House. They say I was, I was really tiny at that time. After my A-levels, I went to the University of Ghana. Those were the days of economic chaos. There was food rationing under the Rawlings military administration. There was very little fuel, very few cars on the streets, very little by way of modes of transport. I remember I lived close by here at Makula Market. I remember the one day when, to get to Ligon from Makula, I had to walk all the way from uh, Makula to Ligon. Those were the days. Our university professors in those days, some of them were moonlighting as taxi drivers. Those were the days. Every now and then I'll tell some of my young nephews, I'll say, hey, do you know when I was at University of Ghana, this is the way Ghana was? They say, no, that's impossible. When I say you used to form a line to get toilet paper, soap, milk, they were called essential goods. They say, no, you're lying. So anytime I'm passing by and I see these shops full of uh, uh, provisions and goods, people going in and out, I just smile. I just laugh. I say, you know, the young, you don't know how well you have it. Ghana is a much better place than it used to be. Today, my job is not to reminisce. It's not to go back in history. But instead, to look forward. I know yesterday the budget was read and the person who read the budget was actually my classmate when I was at sixth form at Achimota. Uh, Ken was my classmate but um, I'm sorry everybody, I'm not going to say anything about things Ken did when he was in sixth form with me. No secrets, they all remain with me. As you all know, Ghana used to be a very, very special place in the world. In the 60s, there were many people all across the world who thought Ghana was the place to be. Martin Luther King, Malcolm X in the United States, when they saw what had happened in Ghana, they were just really impressed because they couldn't do in their civil rights movements what we were doing here in Ghana. They were really, really impressed with us. I have a friend, a white American, Mike Thoyer. What he decided, because he had heard so much about Ghana, he spent his honeymoon here in Ghana in 1960 with his wife. His wife was the first librarian at Baum Library at uh, University of Ghana. Those were the days all across the world people thought Ghana was the place to be. 
Just so you all know, I think we can reclaim that. Mine is going to be a talk about our difficulties, yes, but at the end of the day, I think we can reclaim and should reclaim that mantle. We have everything it takes to be the way we used to be. In my research, I began in the agriculture sector, marrying that with technology. Agriculture, I think, is where a lot of potential exists. I'll tell you about my own work in that particular field. But in addition, I also want to tell you that that's a place where there's great history, a place where we can get inspiration. What do I mean by that? In the 1870s, 1870, Ghana was in war. The British were fighting the Ashanti. It was very, very difficult to go up and down in this country. It was a very, very tough time. If you look at war-torn nations in West Africa, that's what Ghana was in 1870. Despite that, there was a market out there, a market for something called cocoa. Ghanaians had never heard of cocoa. And yet, they figured out that they could produce cocoa here. Cocoa was invented not in Ghana, but in South America. And our people, despite being in a war-torn nation at that time, created very, very quickly one of the largest industries in cocoa. It was just instantaneous. We had no roads. People would put the cocoa in barrels and roll them all the way from Aquapim and Ashanti region to the coast where they could get money. Those were the days. If we did it then, ladies and gentlemen, I tell you, we can really do it now. Therein lies my optimism, if you will, in the United States, in uh, Ghana. And in the United States, a similar thing happened for their industrialization. Their industrialization also started from agriculture. It was cotton. There was an international market for cotton, and the United States decided to produce a lot of cotton, and it's through that that industrialization took place. And hence, that's why my first stop is in agriculture. I think it's a place with a lot of promise. Ghana could be a place that is exceptional in agriculture, and we should think about it. One of the first things I did when working in the agricultural sector, I realized markets didn't exist. Farmers would be on their farms. They would have to wait for traders to come to them. Everything was erratic. Sometimes if a trader doesn't show up on their doorstep, they won't be able to trade anything, and then they'll lose all their produce. So one of the first things we did was to think about a national market for agricultural produce. I know that cocoa is very well taken care of. That was not my concern. My concern was with the other crops, maize, soya, sorghum, etc. And so one of the first things we did was we just decided we're going to A, get technology at work, and so uh, with a company called Isoko, we started experimenting with giving prices to farmers on their mobile phones. But then the bigger thing for us was to create a market, a commodity exchange. And so uh, with a team, we went to lobby the Ghana government to create the Ghana Commodity Exchange, and I think it's been in existence for about five years. So that was a consequence of realizing the lack of a commodity exchange in our nation. And don't forget, the Chicago Board of Trade, they had theirs... 100 years ago, 150 years ago? Why are we only having ours now? We will need these commodity exchanges if we're going to grow. 
I'm very impressed with the United Arab Emirates. I go and teach there every spring semester for New York University. They produce no gold, but they have a gold market. They produce no diamonds, but they have a diamond market. They produce no tea, but they have a tea market. We have all these things. We should have those markets. So one of the first things that we did was to try and go and tell the government of Ghana, please set up that market. These markets will create consistent demands. Farmers will benefit because they will know that if they produce their produce, they will definitely get a market. Just as the United States grew through having a consistent market for cotton, just as our ancestors were able to produce uh, cocoa industry because cocoa at that time had consistent markets, if we're able to do the same thing for our agricultural produce, it will produce wonders. And so that was one of the first things we did. We've achieved it. It's been done. We're yet to grow it and scale it, but chalk that as something that is positive. It's done. It's there. It's, it's running right now. In the agricultural sector, another blessing we have, I want to tell everybody, are our MOFA agents, uh, Ministry of Food and Agriculture. They're very good. They're in every community. So as we're scaling up, as we're getting people, uh, farmers, markets, keep that in mind. If there is a negative that we need to be worried about, it's all about our soil. Soil quality is going down, and I have more to say about that in a second. One of the main issues with um, agriculture, land rights and land tenure. How do we deal with that? You'll hear a lot in my talk today about Kumo. I am from Kumo. That's where I went from one to form five. Uh, Achimota, I was there for sixth form, and again, I thank all my Achimota, uh, lower six, upper six mates. You guys were very, very kind to me. I came from a village school, and you uh, adopted me with open arms. Kumo is a place which has a lot of land. The lands of Kumo are 2% of the landmass of Ghana. There is a forest reserve, which also belongs to Kumo, but right now it's a reserve. If you add that to it, that's 3% of the landmass of Ghana, the Dijer Reserve. It's a natural place to perform economic experiments. That's what I've been doing. I've spent a lot of time in Kumo, and so the things that I'm telling you now are things we've actually implemented and we believe can be scaled up nationally and perhaps all across Africa. So, back to the question of land tenure. Are we just going to complain about it, or are we going to do something about it? So, in Kumu, what we did was that we created a land secretariat. And so, within the palace, there's a big Kumu palace there. We cleared up some rooms. I got my team together, and then we digitized all the formal leases we could find. And so those people who had registered their lands, we got all of them, we digitized them, we scanned them, and we put them on a master map. For all the people who we couldn't have or couldn't find formal leases, we have these apps. They're on your mobile phone. You take the app and you just walk around the boundary of your farm. Okay? And just at the end of that, we've got a map of your farm. And so we've done that essentially for the entire 2% of the landmass of Ghana. Whatever we could, we did. So our office now, I'm very proud to say, handles all of the land 
issues in Kumu. I'm very, very happy to say every now and then there'll be people, you know, there are land disputes in Ghana all the time. Two people are about to kill each other because this one says, you've encroached my land. We'll bring them to our office. We'll show them the maps. And then one of them will realize, oh, I'm sorry. It's actually not my land. My land is a little bit this way. Then everything solved. Those cases where there's overlapping land, we have 2% of the land mass of Ghana, and so we just say, don't worry. This may have been an error. Somebody gave you a piece of land, didn't know it was overlapping yours. Come to us, we'll give you another plot of land. And so there's been quite a bit of peace because we set up this land secretariat in Kumu. We are now going to the next phase. And so what we're doing right now is we've created a Kumu Development and Investment Foundation which will be the holder of the land on behalf of the people. And we're open for business. We want to see gentlemen and gentlewomen. We want to see the youth going back into agriculture. Anybody who wants a piece of land, come talk to me. We got 2% of the land mass of Ghana, okay? I've got a lot of land, all right? So come, come and talk to me. We'll give you some land. Our goal for the Kumu area is, of course, economic development. But we also believe that that place could be part of what could be Ghana's breadbasket. I see no reason why Ghana should not be a major exporter of grains to the West African subcontinent. And so what we're doing right now is proof of concept. If we can do it in the Kumu area, we can do it anywhere. By the way, um, just for the record, uh, I would like to thank my research um, uh, folks uh, Center for Technology and Economic Development. And I also want to put in that this is not a big NGO-operated thing. It's not a big World Bank uh, operation. We've just got the local people together, and we're trying to make things work. Some will at this stage say, hey, Yao, what is this business of Ghana Commodity Exchange? We want to talk about industrialization. We want big factories. It's all of this stuff that you're doing. Isn't it just tiny and small stuff? I completely disagree. I remember many years ago talking to the CEO of a company called Blue Sky. Many of you may know the uh, company. Uh, the man, uh, Anthony Pyle, is his name. And so we had a small seminar with him. And we were talking about industrialization. He had an industry. And he was very, very upset. I said, why are you upset? I don't have consistent suppliers of, in his case, uh, mangoes and citrus. And therefore, he couldn't expand his industry because there wasn't that consistent supply. If we get these markets in order, everything will be systematized. And so companies will know from this market, you're always going to get consistent supplies. Some farmers will have low supplies, some will have high supplies, but on average, the market will be producing something for you which is consistent. Okay? And so you actually need these markets as a precursor to any industrialization. To just stand there and say, I'm going to build these tall factories, and just if we had great politicians who would just come, that's not the way it works. It not, did not work that way in the United States. It will never work that way in Ghana. Uh, by the way, I should also say the Ghana Commodity Exchange, we've also created nano versions of that, smaller versions within the communities themselves. Again, all of these things are meant to be proof of concept. If they work, we'll translate them to the rest of Ghana, hopefully to the rest of West Africa. I had mentioned uh, climate change. 
Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Um, and I'd mentioned that I work in the spring semester in the United Arab Emirates. Uh, they are the headquarters of uh, COP28. And so I think at the end of this month, there are these big meetings, COP28. Uh, Ghana is the co-president, I hear. Um, I've read, and they've been doing a lot of things uh, with that. What does climate change mean for Kamo? What does it mean for Ghana? On the one hand, I can tell you when I'm working with my farmers, they are very worried about erratic water supply, uh, rain, rainfall. Okay? It used to be very, very consistent. Now sometimes it comes early, sometimes it comes late. That's climate change for you. So it's something that we're watching. It's something which is of concern. On the other side, you all understand decarbonization and what's going on on the planet, and in particular, the fact that in many advanced nations, there are limits on the production of carbon. And so if a company in Switzerland or the United, uh, United Kingdom wants to open a factory, they need to purchase carbon credits. We in Ghana, in Africa, can produce those credits. When you build trees, those trees will suck some of the carbon out, and you can get a credit from it. And so, we are at, in Kumu, and I recommend that for the whole of the country, are investing heavily in understanding these carbon markets. The area that we're working in right now, when I was much younger, used to be full of animals. There were elephants there, there were leopards there. Uh, these days, when I go there and I talk to my, um, uh, my aunt, and the older folks, they're scared. They say, hey, you're going to Drobonso. Isn't that the place with all the animals? They say, prof, yow, you're going to be eaten up by a lion. And meanwhile, if you go there today, there's nothing like that. It's almost like a golf course because they've, all the trees are gone. So with this carbon credits, maybe we can rebuild these trees, get the climate a bit more consistent, and in addition, make some money. Because if you put up the trees, you get carbon credits, which is worth something. So this is income. And by the way, we got 2% of the landmass of Ghana, so we're going to get 2% of the income, right? Okay. As we were working with our farmers, one of the constraints we found had to do with credits. So we were expecting a lot of our farmers to come to our exchanges, Ghana Commodity Exchange and our nano version, in droves. Because I'm the economist. I had done research to figure out that the problem was with markets. And so we'll call and talk to the farmers, and everybody says, this is a great idea, go for it. And at the day of the market itself, you'll see the farmers a little bit timid. I said, my friend, you told me this was a good idea. You said you wanted to bring your commodities in there. Why aren't you doing it? They wouldn't say anything. Timid and quiet. And so this went on for several months. And so then I went into the field and I said, look guys, you guys are messing up on my experiments here. I'm a professor. I need to write some academic papers on this. And I'm not getting any results. What the heck is going on? So then they revealed to me their secret. I should have known about it, but I didn't. Many of these farmers are in debt. At the beginning of the season, they have no money to
to buy the seeds, clear the land, or anything. So what they do is they go to traders. And many of you should know the traders are women. The farmers are men. And the men are complaining about the women that they need to get money from them. I just love it. You know, uh, gender issues. Wonderful. So we found out that these traders, the terms of the contract are such that the farmers will get money in return for, number one, sending a certain quantity of maize to them at the end of the season in return for the money that was given. And two, even the rest of the farm for which they didn't get a loan has to be given to the same trader. We've computed the implied interest rate because they get the maize based on a tiny bit of CDs today and later on the prices, of course, way higher, right? And so the, ex- the interest rate is huge. Some of them are getting 100%, 200% interest. So that's one of the things that we found. We started talking to our uh, local banks. Hey, here's an opportunity. If these wonderful women are able to go into the communities and give out loans... There are very, very few um, defaults among them because they strategically figure out which farmer to go to and they just watch the farmer. So their default rate is very, very low. So our financial people, why aren't you in there? What's going on? I think during the discussion time we have some finance people on our team, so we'll have a wonderful conversation. So uh, we've been working a lot on uh, agriculture and as I said, For me, this is a growth area. We'll continue working on it. I've showed you some of the things that we've done in that regard. We continue working on it, and hopefully you will hear back from us soon. I encourage the entire nation to do the same thing. Uh, As yesterday, um, the budget was read, and I was talking to some taxi drivers, uh, my own driver, and a few other people, and I said, hey, did you listen to the budget? said, no. I said, why not? Oh, a lot of technical stuff there. I said, okay. But don't you care about it? Yes, I care about the price of food. I care about the price of maize, bread, eggs. If we get our agriculture right, at least at the uh, lower income levels, you're going to get a lot of people very, very happy. It will bring more stability to this place. And so I encourage you all to think about that. The other area that we've been worried about, concerned about, and our chair is a chief uh, from the village very, very close to mine. Uh, I am from Kumu, as I said, and I, am, I was made a chief there. I am the Abuafuahene of the Kumu Traditional Council. It's something that gives me a lot of pride. Every Akweside, I go back to Kumu, and as you know, the tradition with Akwesidere is you pour libation on the stools of the old chiefs. Okay, and so any, stool, any chief that died on the stool gets a real stool, blackened, you pour libation on it. Those guys who were destooled, well, they get bottles. They don't get the real blackened stool. Some of these stools are 300 years old. And so when we go at Akweside in Kumu, you begin with the first chief, Tribo Kudia. Most of you have heard of him from uh, history. Then you go to uh, uh, Ochibafo, then you go to this, then you go to this, all the way to the most recent chief. That's what we do every six weeks. 
Isn't that an amazing culture? Isn't it amazing that you have places with a history 300 years old? What we've decided in Kumu is to transform that wonderful history and the pageantry that goes around it into business. We are creating a tourism center for Kumu. And so there are a number of palaces all over the place, beginning with the Kumu Palace itself, the Bodmasi Palace. At Bodriasi, there's this wonderful 150-year-old palace which still maintains the original Ashanti architecture. There are no nails in it. There's no cement in it, but it's still standing. When I send my architects, uh, Cecil Abbey and his team, Julian, when they go there to see it, they're in awe of the traditions of our own people 150 years ago. So we're showcasing all of these heritage sites. We got a little bit of money to open some art galleries beside each of them. Our students are now, uh, uh, secondary students are now working on it. So the goal is to transform our heritage and the beauty of our history into money. So we've started the first phase. Slowly we're going to get our uh, tourists coming in. Tourism is very important. I remember reading the book by Lee Kuan Yew in the development of Singapore. And he said, in the 60s, as you all know, Singapore had the same GDP per capita as Ghana. When he was going through his drive to change Singapore, the first thing he did was tourism. Why? Business people, when they set foot on your country, the first thing they do is to go to your hotels. During their free time, they go to your galleries or museums or whatever artistic things that you have there. Do that first, and you get a lot of these business people feeling very, very comfortable coming into your country. There are some things we need to do. Please, let's make coming into Ghana easier. Our visa situations are still too difficult. A uh, big shout out to the team in New York, the consular office. They're doing great there. Uh, I work a lot with them. But again, you guys are going to hate me for saying this. What's wrong with allowing United States citizens to come here without a visa, despite the fact that when we are going over there, they give us a lot of grief? Do we want to develop or do we not want to develop? That's the question we ask ourselves. So I'm just challenging you all. We need to change our laws. And if we want to go ahead, there's some sacrifices in our pride that we need to do. I have invested a lot in a secondary school, and I'm encouraging them to do a lot of art. Art is another one of the successful areas of, um, of Ghana. We have famous uh, El Anatri, uh, is in, um, I think he's being exhibited at the Tate Gallery right now in London. Um, a young man, Amwako Boafo, uh, is a big sensation. I was looking online. He has some of these paintings. It's about this by this. And you know one of those paintings? Three million dollars. Not bad, huh? Just a painting. It's like this and then like that. Okay? And so we are also telling our kids in Kumo, invest in painting. On that note, I've mentioned in Kumo a lot. Education is extremely important. I'm here talking to you guys today because I got educated. There's a secondary school, the secondary school that I went to, we're investing in that with my colleague uh, uh, Roland Akosa and uh, Robert Dansobwachi, they're sitting over there. Uh, the three of us and another two 
formed a foundation and we are supporting the school as much as we can. Uh, encouraging the students and as I said, we started an art program with them. Universities are also very, very important. I remember when I was uh, leaving Ghana when, uh, I think he's also an Akora, Patrick Awua was starting his university, uh, Eshesi University. Those were the days when there were only three universities in Ghana. And I kid you not, during that, those days, to form a new university in Ghana required a huge amount of wrangling with the ministry. For some reason, private universities were not allowed. I am very, very happy to see so many private universities in Ghana today. Some of them are great. Some of them are not so great. Bring them all on. Let the people decide which ones they want to go to, and let's have a competition in the universities. And so that's a, a good thing. I'm looking at the time now. How much time do I have, sir? Keep going. All right. I hope I'm not getting people terribly angry at me. Ghana needs to engage in the world. We are 35-something million people. Relative to the population of the world, that is tiny. We need to engage in the world. One of the best ways we engage in the world is for our people to go into the world. There is nothing wrong with our skilled people going to other countries for jobs. There is absolutely nothing wrong about that. Too many times I hear the word brain drain. We are losing our doctors. We are losing our nurses. I don't think that's right. First of all, there's something counterintuitive that I'd like to say. There are people who would say, for example, we're losing all of our doctors because they're going abroad. We're losing all of our nurses because they're going abroad. I once saw a report, I won't tell you by which institution, they actually said, let's make the standards of our doctors a little bit lower so that they can't travel abroad and get the brain drain. On the contrary, I believe, and our economic analysis has shown, hear me out, if you allow people to leave, if many people think that there's a chance they could leave and get large amounts of money outside, then many more people go into that field in the first place. So that after those who want to leave have actually left, those you have left behind in Ghana is a larger number than if you didn't allow people to leave. People have to spend the time and energy to go into a field. It's costly in terms of money, in terms of their time. If many of them know that there's a chance, not 100%, but maybe 50%, that they'll go abroad, then those people will go into the system. Those people who are saying right now that our nurses, we should prevent them from going abroad, are making a mistake. Let them out. And probably you'll find we'll have in Ghana even more nurses. So again, as a nation of 30-something million people, we have to engage with the rest of the world. We will not grow unless we engage with the world. We cannot do things by ourselves. We should not do things by ourselves. And one of the easiest ways to do that is to let people leave. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. 
Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Let's encourage it. You would not be seeing me here if people said, Prof, you can't leave. In fact, in my years, we actually had to have an exit visa to leave Ghana. Those were the days. I will mention, as an economist, we have something called the youth dividend. So a large number of our people in Africa and definitely in Ghana are below the age of 19 or 20. This is something that needs to be managed well. This is something we need to be very, very careful about. One of the things we're doing in Kumo right now is encouraging some of our youth to go onto our farms, the 2%. We are going to start getting leases, small leases, and helping some of these young people start up their farms. Young people like technology, and at our center, we've got lots and lots of technology. So we're trying to marry those things together. I told you about the museums that we have and the art facilities so that we can increase the liveliness of the small town Kokomo. So that's one of the things we are doing. We encourage the rest of the nation to do the same thing. I think my time is slowly moving, so let me just uh, make a few, five minutes more. Okay. I mentioned to you that I spent half of my semester, half of my year in the United Arab Emirates. United Arab Emirates obtained their independence in the early 70s. If you had seen them at that time, the place was a complete desert. Nothing there. Sand, one or two buildings. What they decided to do was to make their nation an economic hub. All of you have heard of Dubai, Emirates. Now many Africans go to Dubai to have that place be the headquarters of their building. Emirates Airlines has become a national airline for Africa. If you want to go from Angola to Ghana, maybe you pass through Dubai. Ghana to Kenya, pass through Dubai. Ghana should be doing the same thing. Ghana has many, many natural advantages. We speak English. My friends in Angola, they're trying to change away from Portuguese to English. How many nations trade in Portuguese? Very few. And it's a big struggle for them. We already have that English. We should create Ghana, a Ghana which is an economic hub for West Africa. Some of the things we need to do, I know there's been a lot of progress on our ports and harbors. We need to speed that up. It has to be that if you want to trade in Africa, you go to Ghana. Because Ghana ports efficient, 100%. Our road system, let's make it efficient. Our harbors, efficient. Ease of doing businesses. If you want to set up a company in Ghana, it should be as easy as possible. One day, you've got it. Our youth need to be skilled. Technology is going to be important. I should mention uh, many of you have know of the revolution in AI, chat GPT. Uh, if in the United Arab Emirates, everybody is going into data science. That's the wave of the future. So for my youth, that's what I recommend all of you do. Let me conclude. Two things in conclusion. Number one. You may have noticed I barely said anything about the budget. I think we are way too preoccupied with macro numbers. 
I looked at the budget. I am a trained economist. I have a PhD in economics. But sometimes the numbers just fly by. What do they mean? 1.5 versus 1.7, 3.5 versus 3.8. If you're in the Ministry of Finance, extremely important. But if we're looking at the development of Ghana, I would maintain we need to go back to our microeconomics, not our macroeconomics. We need structural change in this country. We need to change the way we do things. We need to go back to the ground and transform things. We need to build our farms. We need to build our firms. We need to build our tourist facilities. That's what we need to do, and that's what I've tried to say here. Finally, to conclude, final, final conclusion, I envision a very prosperous Ghana. A Ghana that is hooked up to the world. Ghanaians are going back and forth to Sierra Leone, to Liberia, to New York, to Dubai, business. People in those countries are doing businesses in Ghana. Some people, maybe in the United States, would decide they want to work in Kenya. And what they'll do is they'll use Ghana as a base. Perhaps they even never set foot in Ghana, but they have a company here because electronically and digitally, you can set up a company. You've got your money. And so somebody in the United States can use Ghana as a base to trade with Kenya even without coming to Ghana. That's the future I envision. I believe that if we change our structure, we can go back to the days when, as in the 1960s, people thought of Ghana as the place to be. Oh, Ghana, that's that wonderful place where the people are so nice. In the evenings, I just walk around and it just feels so good. Business is wonderful. Tourist facilities are great. The youth are very smart. That's the Ghana I envision. And ladies and gentlemen, I really believe, and you can tell because I've invested my time and energy in that, we can achieve that. We should achieve that. We will achieve that. Thank you and God bless. A round of applause for Professor Yao Nato. <laughs> Prof, thank you very much. That was an illuminative and expansive address. Thank you. Now we go straight into our panel discussion. And joining Prof on stage for further discussions, today we have three extremely knowledgeable gentlemen. Our first panelist has over three decades of banking and financial management experience. He started his banking career with SGSSB and has held executive positions in multinational banks, including Standard Chartered, Barclays Bank, and Stanbic Ghana, where he was chief executive officer for 14 years. He sits on various boards, including Goldfields and the Teachers Fund. He is currently the executive chairman of LDS Africa, an enterprise development firm, and is also the chief of the Pishigu traditional area in the Dagon Kingdom. He's a proud alum of Ghana Secondary School Tamale and Tamale Secondary School. Ladies and gentlemen, help me to welcome Na Dr. Al Hassan Angani. <laughs>
Our next panelist, he's a distinguished figure in the financial world with a remarkable three-decade-long career in the banking sector. Notably, he served as the managing director and CEO of Carl Bank PLC for an impressive 20-year tenor, demonstrating exemplary leadership and expertise. Beyond his finance and business acumen, he holds prominent positions on various boards, such as being chairman and co-founder of Roman Ridge School. He has had a remarkable career trajectory that serves as a testament to his exceptional leadership, financial acumen, commitment to sustainability, and unwavering dedication to make a positive impact across various aspects of society. Please help me welcome currently the president of the Achimota Golf Club and a proud Adadier of Presec Legon, eight times champions, the very accomplished Mr. Frank Edu Jr. And now, our moderator panelist, he wears two hats. He's the chief executive officer of Petra, a leading diversified financial services institution in Ghana with activities in pension trusteeship, personal financial planning, securities brokerage, and fund administration. He's also a co-founder and executive director of Achieve, a fintech business that aims to conveniently provide quality financial services to every African. He holds a bachelor's and a master's degree in computer science from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology and MIT and an MBA from Harvard Business School. He is a proud Accra and was senior prefect of his graduating class in Achimoto School. Ladies and gentlemen, Accra Kofifin. <laughs> Thank you very much, Elizabeth Irene, my senior. <laughs> um, it's an honor to be here and to hopefully lead this conversation uh, in a direction that um, does justice to the topic that, um, that we have been given. Nana Prof, thank you very much for your submission. I think we've all learned a lot about Kumeru today. <laughs> Let me just, um, just make a disclaimer, a small one, in that I'm sure most of you were expecting Bella Mundi to be playing this role. I'm sorry to disappoint you, and hopefully I can do a good job of guiding these distinguished gentlemen towards uh, the conclusions that we're looking for in this conversation. Thank you. 
Headlines is brought to you by Don't take risks, use a condom every time. And thanks to Malatu, I kicked out Malaya one time. Some spices, yes, sir. Live from our studios here at Kokum in Accra, this is Join Us Prime with me, Carlos Caloni. Now, join us from his live on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, on all socials. We are join news. Is Finance Minister Ken Oforiata on his way out? Rumors swirl in Parliament that the 2024 budget may have been his last major official assignment. There is rumor all over that the Minister of Finance is, is, is going to resign or they are sacking him in the coming days. And that um, this is his last budget. In fact, colleagues in Parliament is all over. So we have to say bye-bye to him. We have details. Meanwhile, bauxite mining in Yunehin it begins soon. That's according to the Ghana Integrated Aluminium Development Corporation. More as President Akufuado urges Giadek and its partner to justify his decision to set up an integrated aluminium industry as he received mineral resource estimate report from Giadek. That if we're able to do that, it would justify completely our thinking. In the midst of the illegal mining destruction across the country, a citizen resistance is mounting in some communities. We'll bring you a set from part three of latest hotline documentary titled Poison for Gold. Also, state funeral help for former First Lady Theresa Kufua Head of final funeral rite on Saturday as her children say her compassionate but disciplinary nature and her nicknames like Chief Justice, the law, and severe. And prime business is at 8 p.m. with Emma Davis. National Petroleum Authority assures that all products on the market meet international standards. We will be engaging the authority at 8. At 8.30 p.m. will bring you prime sports. The coach of the Black Stars receives in confidence of a good start in the World Cup qualifiers in Ghana's game against Madagascar tomorrow. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Um, the pressure that I'm under as head coach that I'm always under is to, is to win football matches. You can watch join news on DS TV channel 421, Go TV channel 125. We are your home of independent, fearless and credible journalism. Please stay.
Prime Headlines was brought to you by Don't take risks. Use a condom every time. And thanks to Malatu, I kicked out Malaya one time. Some spices. Yes, I can. We are very much grateful you could join us here on Join Us Prime. Now, Majority Leader Oseche Mensah Bonsu says claims that Finance Minister Ken Uforiata is on his way out are just rumours refusing to confirm or deny the rumours going around in Parliament. Now, yesterday, Minority Leader Dr. Kesela Tofosin told Evans Mensa on PM Express the Finance Minister will exit. Now, the rumour mill has gone, uh, you know, overdrive, and Parliamentary Affairs Correspondent Kweku Asante now reports on the matter. Ken Oforiata has had a tortuous time as minister in the last two years. He has faced calls from within his own party to step aside or be sacked. There are now new claims he may be on his way out, according to minority leader Kesela Tufosin. There is rumor all over that the minister of finance is, is, is going to resign or they are sacking him in the coming days. And that um, this is his last budget. In fact, colleagues in parliament is all over. So we have to say bye-bye to him for messing us up, but his legacy is there for everybody to see. What's the legacy? His legacy. And you, you know his legacy. This is the Minister of Finance who knows how to borrow to benefit his personal business and those of his cronies. His legacy is that he will be remembered for destroying rival businesses. He will be remembered for destroying and bringing Ghanaian economy, particularly the financial sector, to its nails. Minority Chief Whip Governor Kwame Aguja also repeated the claims in an interview with me in Parliament. Keep saying that the, the final flight of any pilot, you try to perform the best takeoff and landing. The finance minister, if this is his last budget which we are hearing, this is a very poor performance. And I'm not surprised that whilst the problems he created were not created by him solely, it was created with the blessing of the. the, the Dr. Baumia, who is the chairman of the, how do you call it, the, the economic management team, Dr. Baumia curiously decided not to follow him to parliament today. The governor of Bank of Ghana also decided not to follow him. They've left him 